The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss the results from night one of AEW Fighter Fest and then uh, get to a preview of night two. And we might even throw in a little bit of chatter about Fight for the Fallen. So uh, before we get into discussing the action, Mike, how are you doing? Well, I am almost settled in my new apartment. Moved in yesterday. Got the keys over the weekend. So been moving stuff in and then once the movers got all the furniture in yesterday kind of started setting things up but still got a lot more to go but feeling better you know the place is a lot nicer than i thought first time i rented an apartment without ever seeing it in person so that was a challenge um but yeah you know all <laughs> all things considered joel uh, i guess i could I, things are okay <laughs> all right well that's good i mean i know moving is stressful and i i know that things are going to get better moving forward so uh, I know I just went through that. It's kind of interesting, you know, since we've started this podcast, we've both moved and we haven't been doing this for that long. So <laughs> I know I'm, I'm dying be, in this apartment. I'm not doing this shit again. I know I'm moving again next year um, whenever our lease Sucks. is up. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. But uh, I, I feel your pain, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But you know what? It's it's been good though. You know, I um. But no, it's it's just been nice. You know, like you you mentioned that you know, like you know once you get into a place when you're living on your own, like it feels different, and it definitely feels a lot different and in a good way. Uh, having my own space now, so I know everything in the place is mine. You know, if I want to leave a cup out, I can leave a cup out, and it's fine. So yeah, it's 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 going it's going well so far. Gotta finish up getting some of the stuff up on the walls and kind of finalize how I want the place to look and feel and get rid of all the boxes. But yeah, it's coming along. How about you, man? How's, how's the old dirty South? Oh, you know, doing all right. Hanging in there. Um, I, uh, I got talked into doing a 30 day, uh, workout challenge, uh, by my wife. And so adding that in with oh. everything else that I was already doing, um, so it's, uh, you know, just, it's a uh, hundred reps of a different ab workout every day. So Ugh. adding that in on top of everything else that I've been doing. So it's, uh, it's fun. It's different. Um, and I feel like some of these are, are ones that I might incorporate into my regular workout routine moving forward. So, uh, now that I've gotten my obligatory, uh, fitness talk out of the way because I feel like it's not a real episode unless I talk about you know what I'm doing. People probably think I'm some kind of meathead, um, but I I also am looking forward to um, this weekend. Uh, not that I really feel like you know celebrating America right now because we're doing such a bang up job of handling the coronavirus. But uh, I've you know, <laughs> got some plans to hang out with my sister on Saturday and we're going to do brunch and just kind of low key hang out. So looking forward to that. And uh, I'm going to make some uh, blueberry lemon uh, pancakes that are made with Greek oh, nice. yogurt. So they're like extra fluffy and uh, it's going to be great. Well, that sounds like a very, very scrumptious treat. So 
uh, on that note, Joel, we're we're gonna handle this week's episode like it's a pay per view review. So, no no stock up, stock down. We're just gonna go straight into the card. So, uh, Fighter Fest opened up with I think a banger between Jurassic Express and Wardlow and MJF. And and Joel, I believe you took Wardlow and MJF in this match, correct? So I went up. That is up correct. Yeah, kudos to you. <laughs> you, you, you. Circle gets the square. <laughs> Um, I got a bell now. <laughs> I unpacked it. It was my dumbass bell from my first job. You oh. rang it whenever I said something stupid. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. We're uh, not going to use it for that reason going forward, though. It's going to be my point point bell. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually, I, this might have been my favorite match of the night. I uh, was really blown away by some of the creativity that was on display in this match. And mm-hmm. I especially loved the spot where Jungle Boy ran across people's backs and, yep, and hit the hit the Canadian destroyer on yeah uh, the destroyer just looked so good and it was like mm-hmm. probably the most innovative entrance into a destroyer that I'd ever seen so it was really cool I thought the uh, Poison Rana looked great by um, uh, Marco Stunt it was Marco wasn't it. My misremembering. Oh no no no! The poison Rana was um uh Jungle Boy. That's he right. was up for the F ten, and then he got out of it because he went for. That's right. Because that was that was right after Wardlow hit the awesome step up Hurricane Rana. That's right. All Marco did in this match was get hucked out of the ring. Oh yeah, he got chucked. We're Once again, stage, we said, yeah. "How how far can a Haas throw Marco's stunt?" We <laughs> got to see pretty damn far. Um, but yeah, I I, I think the the biggest thing from take from those matches these four guys have such great chemistry i think this was maybe the most like well-worked smooth match of the night and i i marked out when they jungle boy and mjf kipped up and then luchasaurus and wardlow kipped up like yeah uh, it was was just sweet and um i i love that luchasaurus and jungle boy got the win in our predictions last week i talked about how they had continuously been getting punked by these two so definitely nice for them to get the win here and you know it feels like this feud could keep going. Like it doesn't necessarily feel like it had to end uh, last night. So um, who knows? This, maybe this, they can continue this in different variations, but uh, I really like these combination of teams. And I think Wardlow was the star of this match. Just some of the stuff he was doing. I think he carried his team um, and just, I, I, my jaw dropped when he hit that step up on Luchasaurus. Like, that's not hitting it on someone short. Like you're going really high up to get your legs up there. So well, and he, he really hit that same spot in the lumberjack match last week. And Did he? yeah, and it looked really good then as well. And uh, I just thought there were so many impressive spots in this match. You mentioned the four way kip up and, you know, I thought it was really clever that they used the the 10 count to time MJF and jungle boy because they obviously knew okay kip up on five but then i was even more impressed when wardlow and luchasaurus were able to to because they no longer had the 10 count going and still go at the same time and just really great coordination uh and like i said just so many clever spots in this match it was really well put together and uh, i really enjoyed it yeah and i i love the finish i loved wardlow eating the diamond ring and i loved hearing mjf screaming what do you say? You can't do anything right, or can you do anything right? Yeah, 
and they had that tension a few weeks ago. So uh be interesting to see how that continues. And then just the God, the kicks from Luchasaurus, uh, the DDT that DDT from Jungle Boy, where he like went in for like out of the ring into the ropes and then into the DDT, which was just really impressive. And then uh nice seeing someone winning with a standing moonsault. You don't usually see that move get a three count. So uh love seeing Luchasaurus get the pin there. And I I was I was I'm I was hoping that Jungle Boy would get the pin if they were gonna win to kind of get his revenge on MJF, but I I hope that they get another bout down the line. But anything else about this match before we before we move on? I mean, I think this is truly the beginning of the end for Wardlow and MJF. So I I kind of hope that the Lucha Express find or gosh, we keep doing that. Jurassic Express she, uh, <laughs> find their way into a new feud and we get some singles feuding between MJF and uh, Mr. Mayhem himself. But uh, yeah, I thought it was great and a good culmination to, you know, the current chapter of this story between these four competitors. All right, let's move on to the AEW Women's Championship match. I believe we both took Sheeta because I know you're a coward and that is correct. Didn't pick didn't pick your girl Penelope Ford. <laughs> um, I I liked the uh, the Kip Sabian stuff right off the get go. I liked him getting bounced. I liked him kind of you know getting in uh, Sheeta's face right away and his. I liked I liked the stuff at the beginning, but man, when he when he popped up the kendo stick in the middle of the match, like it kind of looked ridiculous. It looked like RTD two shooting out Luke Skywalker's lightsaber in return of the Jedi. Like it just went boom. But yeah, that spot was a little cartoonish, but, but the rest of the match, them. She the rest of the, the match hell was, out of him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that shot with the kendo stick was a little bit stiff ski, oh, but the neck, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I thought the rest of the match was really, really well worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly these two have good ring chemistry. Um, I saw multiple people tweeting about how, you know, this was the best match that Penelope Ford has had in AEW. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was really, really good. And it, it had me going for a moment. I, I thought for a moment that maybe Penelope Ford was going to get the win, um, especially when she, you know, kicked out out of the Falcon Arrow. But yeah. You know, it was it was a really good match and the uh handspring stunner looked really good. Um even though it didn't land, but the you know, the setup and everything. And there was there was so much to like in in this match. We got another really nice looking German suplex and just some my fa- really good spots. My favorite spot was when Sheeta went climbed up on the turnbuckles, went for the missile drop kick, and Ford did the Matrix dodge. Yeah, like the timing on that had to be perfect, or you're gonna kick her in the face. And then to follow that up with a stunner uh, was really impressive. And uh, Ford kicking out of the uh, Falcon Arrow. I wrote in my notes, "Oh, Falcon Arrow for the win." So I had to go back and delete it because <laughs> shit, she kicked out. So um, yeah, definitely, I think one of Ford's best. Um, matches in AEW, and I think what we're seeing with Sheeta as a champion is we're just we're seeing solid match after solid match after solid match. Like there's no there's no real squash matches, you know, like super duper squash matches on 
her uh, reign so far, and she's getting good matches out of everyone she faces. So, um, you know, they couldn't possibly have known that Statlander and Baker would be hurt combined with all the women who have to have had to miss things with, um, excuse me, uh, COVID world. But it's it's definitely looking like a smart decision now have the belt on Sheeta during this period of the AEW's women division. Well, the fact that she can get a good match out of anybody makes her the right person to be holding down that division right now. It, it doesn't matter who you put out there. She's going to put together a good match. She's like Cody in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's a lot of women who are on the indie scene that AEW could look into signing uh, people like Lainey Luck. Or, uh, you know, once Thunder Rosa becomes available, I would love to see her in AEW. Uh, or the there, controversial Tessel Blanchard. Uh, maybe. I mean, the thing is, I, I feel like y- you're not going to get Thunder Rosa and Tessa Blanchard because of their history. Yeah. So I'd rather have Thunder Rosa, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do with Sheeta from here on out. Or sorry, just the women's division in general. Uh, I, I feel like this would be a very good time for the Dark Order version of Anna Jay to make her presence felt. Uh, that could give us a very compelling foil here for for Sheeta moving forward. But um, yeah, I just really enjoyed this match. I think these two have really good chemistry. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them go at it again. And if we're going to do any intergender wrestling in AEW, can we do Kip Sabian versus Hikaru Shida? I think that match would be awesome. I, mean, I think the two like, of them would be down for it. Uh, so let, let me ask you this. AEW is down for it. <laughs> let me ask you this, and, and then we can move on. Do you keep Abaddon away from Hikaru Shida for now? Yeah. I think you have to have Abaddon squash people and be scary for a long time. Because uh, I don't think it's time to take the belt off of Shida unless you make it away that, you know, titles on the line or anything like that but i would keep abaddon away for now have her eat some of the other women on the division all right Next i also don't know card. enough about abaddon to know if like she's capable of carrying the <laughs> division right now i've only seen her wrestle twice so it'd be it, this would be one of those things like build her up give her some squash matches maybe give her a low level feud uh with someone and then you know unleash her maybe later this summer but I, I still get chills seeing pictures of Abaddon. It creeps me out. So they definitely have something there. All right. Well, next up on the card was the TNT championship match between Cody Rhodes and Jake Hager. Cody Rhodes getting the victory and retaining his title in that match. And uh, I'm curious to see what you thought. I, I know what my feelings are about this match, but uh, as a vocal critic of Jake Hager, and that's putting it mildly, I'd like to know mm-hmm. what you have to say. All right, two things. One, Hager's ring gear is crap. <laughs> like, it looks like he went to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought a pair of compression shorts. You need to do better there, kid. Two, the match was good. Hager looked good. I think Cody made him look good, but the match itself worked, and I actually enjoyed it. It's the only Hager match slash Jack Swagger match I think I've enjoyed ever. Um... But yeah, I thought their chemistry was good, and you were right. They played a lot into the counters and amateur style, and it's a lot of submission moves from the two of them. And, uh, you know, most of the things I highlighted were stuff that Cody was doing, but, you know, Hager sold. Hager also looked strong at points that 
German suplex to Cody on the floor looked massively painful. Um, and I kind of liked that he he lost in a way he lost from a position of strength basically like he thought he won he rolled over got pinned Cody won out of desperation and I liked Hager attacking the ref at the end I like uh, Mrs. Hager slapping Cody in the middle of the match I like Mrs. Hager walking over Cody's back with her high heels on so yeah it was a solid match it was not the best TNT championship match I think we've seen so far, but um, it was definitely pretty good. Thanks to Cody. I I had to give hats off to both performers. I thought they put together a really good match and a match that was very different from Mm -hmm. the previous TNT championship matches that Cody has had as part of this open challenge. So they did a good job of keeping Hager's heat like you talked about with the finish. And I just really enjoyed the action in this match. I was drawn in in a way I haven't been drawn in for really any other Hager match with the exception of the uh, AEW championship match with Mox. And it was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I completely agree about Jake Hager's gear. Uh, You know, it, it just really did look like he was out there wearing underwear. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like not in the typical wears, yeah. Not in the typical like oh wrestlers, you know, go out in front of people in their underwear. No, like this actually looked like what wrestlers wear underwear. underneath their gear. <laughs> uh and yeah, just just really really terrible. But aside from that, you know, I thought it was a good match. I, I don't understand why Hager doesn't wrestle in a singlet. He has a physique that looks so much better in a yeah. singlet can, than in can pull it off you know, trunks. So, you know, maybe I seriously can... could go to my underwear drawer right now and find like the exact color of workout underpants that I wear. And it'd be exactly the same. Like, yeah, I really, my first thing is like, cause I don't think he's worn that before. Has maybe he? his luggage like, got lost. Maybe I mean, it, it, it looks awkward. Yeah. He's never worn anything like that, that I've seen. And it just looked really bad. So, uh, question for you. We had a power slam from Cody Orton scale writing. Let's go. Yeah. Three out of five. I'm going to give him a four just because of the size of Hager. Like Hager's a big freaking dude. And yeah, it wasn't as tight and low as you usually would like it, but it kind of had a very smooth, you know, he, they went high, but it, it, it didn't feel encumbered or anything. So I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him an extra star because of the size. So, and I I think one of the things that we saw from Cody here is uh, compared to the other TNT championship matches is he was, other than the, the initial, the the finals of the tournament, he was the bigger guy and most of those matches prior to this one. So it's just, it's always interesting to see how Cody switches his style when he's playing, you know, on the size disadvantage when he's playing from on top, you know, he's, he's a lot more physically dominant here. It was a lot of, you know, he hit the, disaster kick um a lot of that big dive that he did out of the ring i thought was really impressive to jump up the turnbuckle like that and then to do the dive so um yeah uh and also that rock bottom-esque move before the the pinfall from hager Mm -hmm. he got cody so freaking high up in the air like i i literally thought that was that was it um I will say Cody, it, it looked more like Hager rolling over than Cody reversing it, if that makes sense. Like 
it it didn't look like it's like Hager knew the spot was going to end that the match was going to end that way and he just rolled into it instead of like I don't know it didn't look like Cody was the one who initiated that role if that makes sense I didn't feel that way watching it uh, I'd have to go back and look at it again to see uh but I was just so you know drawn in at that point I wasn't really analyzing it that way uh but I, I liked it uh, I thought it was a well, good see, I will never I will never I have not ever fully been drawn in so I into a Hager match so my critical eye will always be on the watch but it was a good <laughs> match I think I didn't like the his match with Moxley so this is probably the best match um of Hager for me in AEW and I thought something that really helped this match was the use of the the managers and outside interference sometimes it can be overplayed and can be done wrong I thought that Arn getting involved a bit, uh, Mrs. Hager getting involved, and then Dustin, which they kind of foreshadowed that, mentioning, I think, on earlier in the show about, or maybe even last week, of Hager breaking Dustin's arm. So they planted the seeds for that. So I think having those outside factors did help the match um, feel feel natural. So. Yeah, I agree. Can, so, can we talk uh, for one thing real quick, not yeah. about the next match on the card? I hated Chris Jericho on commentary tonight. Yeah. Like more so than usual. He was just like, I thought he was on drugs. He was just screaming like Aaron Anderson has the heart of a dragon. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. He, so like we've talked about, right? Like he doesn't really have much to say. And unless he's out there, you know, promoting a specific angle, is just not great. And I also didn't think he was going to be on most of the card. I could have sworn yeah. they said he'd be out for the private party Santana Ortiz match, but he was on the card for what? Four fifths of it. Four fifths of the, the matches for the five matches. Yeah. Pretty much until like, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the weakest pull apart I've ever seen. <laughs> well, how we'll talk about it, but I think that's actually appropriate. <laughs> But I mean, I think, I, I think this. There were a lot of matches, or there are a lot of moments that suffered uh, because Jericho was on commentary. So specifically, uh, the one that stood out to me the most is when Sheeta and Ford were exchanging palm strikes, and because Jericho was on commentary, and we didn't get to hear from Excalibur, they weren't called as palm strikes. They were called as slaps. And mm -hmm. it, you know, it, if you've ever watched New Japan wrestling, pro wrestling, and, you, and you've seen a match with Minoru Suzuki, you know how brutal and devastating those open hand palm strikes are. It's, you know, part of the pedigree of the Pancrase Dojo. And it's a thing. Excalibur knows that. He would have called it that way. He has called those as palm strikes before. But... Chris Jericho just makes up things when he doesn't know what something is actually called. Like Pineapple Pete, who had a name. Pineapple Pete stuck, though. <laughs> right, but that's not his name. That's yeah. not the name that he wants to have. The only and reason he's I... going by Pineapple Pete is because it, you know, opened an opportunity for him. And mm -hmm. it, you know, I don't think that Shug D really wants to be known as Pineapple Pete. There's a very low ceiling on Pineapple Pete. 
you know, you can't go very far with that nickname. Yeah, because that's also PP for short. <laughs> so, yeah, we can we can both uh, Jericho not not so hot tonight. If we were doing a stock up, stock down, he would definitely get a stock down. But uh, let's move on to oh, one last thing, and this just drives me nuts: is that people love Jericho so much that they can't be objective about this, and everybody is just vocally excited on. Twitter in the IWC about how great Jericho is on commentary and he is sometimes but yep. when used sparingly the, the quarantine tapings he was yeah, so good he was excellent and, the and we sang his praises during that time because it was appropriate but the last couple of times he's been on commentary has just been awful it's taken away right. and distracted from the presentation well in the, in the quarantine period he was he wasn't really playing character. He was analyzing the match. He actually provided good insights on, I remember he was talking about leverage on pin attempts, leverage on submission moves. Like it was actually insightful stuff, but yeah, four person booth doesn't work. Uh, I hope we don't see this much more. And luckily Jericho's on the card next week. Yeah. So but, like, no Excalibur possible chance for is, him to be on commentary. Excalibur is the most important person on that commentary team in terms of the presentation of the matches and getting across what's happening. And he's the one who doesn't get to talk very much when Jericho's on commentary because he just eats up so much air and it's it's really, really bad. All right. Well, that I think we can move on from our boy Chris Jericho and let's move into Proud and Powerful versus Private Party with Matt Hardy. I, I don't quite remember who each of us picked here. Did we both pick Private Party? We did. We did. Okay. And we've talked about before about Mark Quinn being the star of the match, star of the match. I want to give Cassidy that today. He, I thought, was the central figure in this match. He looked so damn good on some of his stuff. Um, and I just think this tag team is going to be in line for a big push this summer. And I thought this match was pretty good. And that was the best-looking gin and juice I've ever seen, with like Cassidy rolling into this position to nail the cutter. Like it just looks so clean and so smooth. These guys roll, man. Yeah. This match was definitely a showcase for Isaiah Cassidy and everything that he did look good. His selling was excellent and his offense looked fantastic. Uh, there a was tornado a tornado spinning dive out of the ring. Yeah. That looked really good. Both of them. Yeah. Uh, but I also thought that, the the drama in this match was really fueled by Proud and Powerful. Their moves looked devastating. And there were mm-hmm. several times when I thought, okay, maybe this is going to be it because we just saw Mark Quinn get absolutely blasted. I mean, there's a series of, of moves where Quinn eats a stunner. Then, you know, there's a, um, a diving powerbomb he gets tossed, then a cannonball sent on the over rotated back suplex. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just took all of those things in a row. And of course, Isaiah Cassidy comes in to, to make the save. But I mean, it was brutal out there for Mark Quinn. And uh, I think that they did a good job of, of being a significant threat and making it look like not only were they going to win the match, but they were going to win the match in brutal fashion. So Private Party got to play that underdog role, and then 
you know, come on strong at the very end of the match and nailed the gin and juice. I really, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, me too. And, you know, due to the uh, COVID situation with John Moxley and Renee Young, he, that match won't be on next week's show. So Private Party will face the winner of the next match on the show, which was Best Friends and Kenny Omega and Best Friends versus Kenny Omega and Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. Did I pick Best Friends? You did. And did you pick Omega and Page? I did. All right, so we're tied up then, right? Yep. My calculations are correct. Yep. Son of a bitch. All even up at 4-4. If we had a stock up, stock down, (laughs) the best friends getting dropped off in a minivan by Trent's mom. (laughs) Stock up. I mean, stock up. (laughs) Instantly iconic ring entrance. (laughs) So funny. Did she say have fun, you guys, or good luck? She did. I couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. They got dropped off for a play date, and the play date's just with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Um, but I thought I was surprised first off that this was even the main event. I thought Cody Hager would close out the show, so um, I was really pleasantly surprised when they announced this as the main event, and I thought it delivered. Um, I thought these guys put on a hell of a show. Um, I just there's so much talent <laughs> with these four guys, and like, obviously, we know Kenny's one of the best in the world, but Trent's, I've learned to love Trent over the last four months. He is so damn good at this professional wrestling thing. And I just think that these guys could have gone for another 20 minutes and be, it would have been great. So what were your initial thoughts of this match? I was really impressed by it. And I thought that the story they told and are telling is really interesting. Uh, because they're kind of putting over Hangman Page as, you know, getting the pinfalls and being the more dominant member of the team. And I think the way that they blow up this tag team is by letting it go to Hangman Page's head that, you know, oh, well, I'm the reason we're winning. I don't really need you. And then, you know, they'll end up, losing the belts over uh, Paige acting selfishly. And Mm -hmm. that will lead to Paige and Omega kind of feuding with one another. I could see it going that way. And I think that would be a good way to go with it. They're slow playing it, which I uh, I really like. And I I just think this was a really well-worked tag match. I mean, you've got so much talent out there, like you mentioned, and it's uh, really solid stuff. Yeah, I it definitely I I feel if it wasn't for the covid situation, the Hangman Page Omega story probably would have been a feud at at this point by now, if not already like done. Um cuz I definitely think blood and guts was a potential page turn moment. Um but my favorite spot from this match was when they were all outside the ring and Trent hit the tope on Omega and then <laughs> Omega got belly to bellied into Paige into the barrier, and it looked like Kenny's head hit the ground first. And then you see like his legs whip against the railing. Like it looked painful and just amazing, you know, amazing cell work from Kenny there. But I was actually worried there for a second. Um, 
you know, and we we have those moments from from Kenny again. Uh, but the Spike Powell driver to Omega, who is that from? Was that from Chucky? Yeah, that looked brutal. And uh, I think he got hit by a, off a waffle at some point, too. So um, and that looked even you know, worse. Yeah. Uh, awful waffle. I thought he might have been hurt. There did not look to be much protection on that. Like he just kind of slams him. Um, but you know, we we saw some of our Kenny and Page moments here. The assisted human su- suplex again. The dives into the corner. The kind of kick combination early on in the match. Um, but I it was interesting, like you said, that they didn't win on the last call this week. They won just off the buck, buckshot lariat. And I can't. I don't know this for a fact, but I bet if you looked at their title defenses throughout their reign, I bet Hangman has gotten most of the pinfalls. Um, I think that's a clear advantage there. So I do think, yeah, that's a good way to frame this potential split between them. Either it goes to Hangman's head or uh, Omega gets jealous. You know, like we know Omega is a a fierce competitor in real life and in storyline. Heel Omega would be dope, man. And like, Initially, I thought it would be heel page, but they've done so well of kind of rejuvenating him after kind of his flop at all out that I think fans, it would be easier down the line to switch Omega back face and get the same reaction than would be to maybe switch page now and then switch him later. So my vote would be a heel heel Omega in this scenario and just let them tear the house down at all out in August or September. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And we can't really talk about this match without talking about the post-match stuff where FTR came down to the ring, gave beers to Kenny and uh, Hangman, and then Kenny pours it out. <laughs> and then it was funny because aren't the, aren't the Bucks, they don't, they don't drink either, right? Correct. So we had the three drinkers on one side and the three non-drinkers on one side pushing and shoving each other with Hangman and Kenny on opposite sides of that little altercation. And it looked like they were screaming at each other at one point, too. So it was very, I want to say weird, but also interesting. What was what was your take on that that post-match kerfuffle? I mean, party foul Omega. That's... I know, right? <laughs> you know, you didn't have to drink it, but you didn't have to dump it out either. Well, I thought he was going to drink it. I'm like, no, I know Kenny is like super, like, no alcohol, but... um. Yeah, it, it, this tag team division is is really intriguing right now, and so many contenders uh, out there. But you know, maybe this was their way of getting the Kenny Omega Hangman Page animosity back into the front because it hasn't really been an issue here the last few weeks. Yeah, and I think it is where we are approaching time for them to drop the belts and get back into the singles division because mm-hmm. there's so many great tag teams now. There's not enough room for all of them at the top. So, you know, we got to find a way to make room for Jurassic Express, make room for uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, make room for Private Party. There's so many teams that need the spotlight. And, you know, if they don't do some kind of a tournament to highlight all the talent in the division, it's going to be a damn shame. Yeah, and just look at some of those teams you mentioned when they won the titles back in February. No, wait, when did they win the titles? January? January. Oh, gosh, I don't yeah. remember. No, they won, they won in, in February. They won it um, at... Um, 
or did they? I guess it no, wasn't January. They fought, they, they, they fought they, the Bucks. They fought the Bucks at Revolution. Yeah. They beat they won it on the Jericho probably, Yes. Okay. So, you know, the teams, like, Private Party was, we were talking about how they basically went on a massive losing streak since they upset the Young Bucks. FTR wasn't around. Uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, the Dark Order wasn't what it is now. We were talking about how the Dark Order felt kind of weak <laughs> prior to the uh, Exalted One showing up. Um, well, you you had the Bucks, but um, Wardlow and MGF hadn't been teaming. Luchasaurus was, uh, God damn it. Jurassic Express were still kind of on their losing streak because they had an awful 2019 record. So, you know, it made sense at the time. Give it to the established guys. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's time for them to, to drop the belts, go into single feuds on, you know, with each other. Or, you know, there's a lot of guys out there, main event heels who could use some people right now to feud with. You know, Lance Archer, Kenny Omega would be freaking dynamite. Hager versus Brian Kate. Not Hager. Jesus Christ. Page. <laughs> I'm off today. Page versus uh, Brian Cage could be freaking incredible, too. Or those, like, get the belts off them, have them team together, and fight, you know, the, the, the Dark Order or something. I don't know. But, yeah, I think it's time to get the belts off of them. Anything else about the main event before we move on to Fighter Fest Night 2? Now let's quickly run through Night 2. All right. Well, like we mentioned earlier, uh, uh, bleh. John Moxley and Brian Cage will be moved to uh, fight for the Fallen on July fifteenth. And real quickly, I what'd you think of that Taz promo? First promo that really brought COVID into it, and also that line like, uh, "Oh, what was the line?" Apparently, got WWE. Yeah, WWE is apparently pissed <laughs> about that comment. Um, so, what'd you think about that before we go into the full card for next week? I think it was a top five promo in AEW history. I mean, it was short and sweet and to the point. And the delivery was flawless. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a master class of how to deliver a promo. And something that I think is often forgotten is that the best promos in the history of professional wrestling are short. Mm-hmm. They're not big, long monologues like we see in modern times in the other wrestling company, it's the hard times, right? That's a short promo with a hard tear times. in my eye. That's a short promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin 316 is a short promo. And, you know, those are the the seminal moments that we think of when we think of great promos. Even the this pipe bomb was, wasn't that long. Pipe bomb was only a few minutes and then they cut off his mic. Yeah. It's pretty short. And I think this was a great showcase of the technical aspects of how to cut a great promo. And then Taz's delivery is just amazing. Was he that good of a promo when he was a performer? Because I don't think I ever remember him. Was he? Okay. Go watch his stuff in ECW. Well, yeah, I don't have a lot of ECW history. I only saw him in the WWE era. So, but. Yeah, he, he well, was fantastic. And, and he was screwed in WWE from the beginning because, I mean, he's talked about it at length, but because of the way he debuted, uh, Vince was kind of upset about it, and he just got completely sandbagged after that. All right, well, let's move on to Fighter Fest Night 2. Joel, you got your pen and paper to uh, keep track of these picks? You know I do. 
All right. I'm going to go through the card, what I think the order is going to be. Well, not necessarily the order going to be, but what the main, main matches will be. So let's start with Lance Archer versus Joey Janela, who got in a bit of an altercation tonight in the crowd. Um, you know, I love Joey and I, I love Sonny Kiss, but um, there's no way in hell uh, he's getting the W here. I'm taking Lance Archer. I'm going Lance Archer as well. Uh, but I do think that this has the potential to be a really brutal match. Uh, Joey's crazy. He will do anything. And yeah. I know it's not a no holds barred uh, kind of affair, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some some crazy legal stuff. Uh, yeah, it tends to happen in Joey's, uh, you know, singles matches. They tend to have a bit of a hardcore flair to it, even if it's not part of the rules. So I, I agree there. Also, I don't know I don't if you noticed, there's... but Joey's getting himself in, in better shape. You know, he's never, good, man. Been, he's never been much of a body guy. Um, and I think he would admit that, but I think he's really taken it seriously and, you know, kind of changing some things to get himself in better shape. And it's it showing he looks great. Yeah. You can see it in like his, his shoulders and his arms. You can see that, you know, there's a little more definition there. So, um, which good for him, man, because he has a lot of talent and I think he's a guy that, you know, AW could really use going forward. So yeah, super creative. Um, so any other thoughts about this before we, we move on? I uh, just hope Sunny Kiss is involved. Uh, I need more Sunny Kiss on my TV screen. Exactly. Um, this next one, Nyla Rose versus TBA. We're not let's not even and, and do a pick for this because we have no idea what it's going to be. And they also keep teasing this announcement. So Nyla Rose. So I think that announcement is going to be someone debuting with her either in the match against her or during some post-match kerfuffle. Um, so I think we are going to be getting a new woman on the roster. Um, but, you know, same thing. I always love watching Nyla Rose matches. I love having her on my TV. So excited to have her on this card and curious of what her announcement's going to be. Yeah, I don't think there's much to talk about here because, you know, this segment is a mystery, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's we had talked previously about how important it was that there was a women's match on both nights and mm -hmm. it looked like we weren't going to get that for a little while. And I was a little concerned, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this match. And, you know, I love a good surprise and a good mystery. Yeah, me too. All right, let's move on to. One of the more interesting matches on the card, Cole Cabana and the Dark Order, Brody Lee and Stu Grayson versus Soul Cal Uncensored. What's going to happen with Colt here, man? Is he going to become a true blue member of the Dark Order? I think this is going to be more conflict, right? Like, I, I think it would be the, the blueprint is kind of you have Colt Cabana start the match. And it's a friendly affair, right? Mm -hmm. Good sportsmanship, typical hijinks from Colt Cabana, uh, possibly with Christopher Daniels, because I think he works really well in a comedy style also. And, you know, we could see some of those more creative gimmicky spots, that catch style of, of wrestling. And then I think once the Dark Order and SCU start to go at it, the tone of the match is going to change. And the next time Colt Cabana gets tagged into the match, he's going to be faced with an opponent who is no longer, you know, <laughs> amicable. 
And he's not going to have the option to do anything other than defend himself and engage in this more brutal style of combat. So that's my take. Uh, I think that SCU takes the L in this match. I think it's more likely that the Dark Order prevails. Um, so that's going to be my pick. And um, Yeah, I, I agree with you. I have the Dark Order and Cabana winning. I don't know if this is going to result in Cabana being a permanent member. I could see them winning. And then like Brody Lee and Stu Grayson and the rest of the Dark Order attacking SoCal Uncensored and Colt basically like, nah, I'm not doing this and then turns on him. So um curious to see where they go though. Colt Cabana was very conflicted last week with uh with Mr. Brody Lee. So um but let's move on to the eight man tag actually yeah, eight man tag match with FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher, the Blade, and the Lucha Brothers. Um I can we just say this match is going to be amazing. It's gonna, it's going to be fast paced. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be very uh very strong stuff in this match. But um the whole Cash Wheeler, Dax, Dax Hardwood, and the Young Bucks being on the same team is makes this kind of. I don't really know where this is going to go, and I I don't really like. They seem to be on somewhat friendly rival terms right now, but it seems like one of these teams could snap and take it into a a more brutal direction. So I am going to take FTR on the young bucks. Um, I don't see a reason why the butcher and the blade and the Lucha bros need to win this. Um, Cause I fully expect this to either continue the story between FTR and the young bucks or potentially lead us into something with regards to the tag team division as a whole, whether that's a tournament or some sort of um, showcase for them. But I, I think that's where the results of this match will take us. Yeah, I, I um I think that makes sense. Uh, I'm actually going to pick the heels in this one, or you know who are oh, being wow. set up as the heels. I think this could be a situation where FTR and the Bucks don't get along. You know, start off more amicable, and over the course of the match, kind of get off track. Uh, also, the Butcher and the Blade have been getting a bit of a push lately, and mm -hmm. the Lucha My Bros dude. are reuniting. You know, Penta hasn't been on our, our TVs in a while. So I think this is a, a good opportunity to reestablish them. And they really haven't had many big wins since coming to AEW. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we know the Lucha Bros are great. Uh, people who watched them in AAA, people who watched them on the Indies, people who watched them in Lucha Underground know that they're great. But if you're purely an AEW viewer, you haven't seen all that much success from the Lucha bros. Makes sense. I, if we're talking about potential like title contenders against Moxley at some point, I really want to see Pentagon jr. Versus Moxley. I think oh, that yeah, would be an awesome, match. awesome match. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to go with Kenny Omega and Adam page versus private party. This is curious because you know, we've just talked about Omega and page potentially dropping the belts. And we've also talked about private party being the team to push during the summer. And that, with that said, I am going to pick Kenny Omega and him and page to win this match. I just don't see private party winning the belts here. Um, especially in kind of a last minute throw in because of the Moxley situation. Um, I do think private party is going to be a champion by the end of the year champions of the gym by the end of the year, but I just don't think it's right now. 
and this match is going to be insane. Just the athleticism in this match is top notch. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm probably handing you the win here in the picks, but I'm going to go, I'm going to take a wild hair and I'm going to go with private party in this match because, you know, oh. what the, the rule in, in pro wrestling is that if you can't deliver on what you announced, the match that you announced, you have to give the fans something better, something that's going to send them home. How to give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Give the people a title change. <laughs> and let's open up this feud between Omega and Paige. Let's get them back in the singles division, just like we talked about. And I think this is a great opportunity to do that. And you're elevating private party at the same time. It'd be a surprise upset victory, very similar to how they started in AEW by getting that upset victory over the Bucks. So I I think it makes sense and I want to see it. So you gave me crap for not going with my heart and picking Penelope <laughs> Ford. Uh, I'm going to go with my heart here, and I'm going to pick Private Party. All right, Joel. It's nice to know you're not a yellow belly coward, okay? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it does make sense in a regard that you very rarely see all the titles be retained over the course of a pay-per-view. You know, some usually one would get, you know, tossed around sometimes. So, um, you know, if, if Omega and Paige win, it would be five for five for the champions over the course of this uh, uh, pay-per-view event. So, um, you know, I feel pretty confident, but definitely gave me a very good reasoning for picking private party here. And I'm a little more nervous than I was than four minutes ago. And what I think will be the main event of the evening, Chris Jericho versus orange Cassidy one-on-one freshly squeezed versus the Ayatollah of rock and roll. La champion. Joel, who are you taking here? I got to go with my boy, Orange Cassidy. I mean, he's been set up to stand tall, to look great. And sooner or later, he has got to win a high profile singles (laughs) match. Like we know he's over with the fans. We know that he doesn't need to win for his character. But I mean, come on, throw him a bone like. (laughs) This match is going to be so entertaining, and I, I think that Jericho and Cassidy will play off of each other so well. And, uh, you know, maybe there's going to be some some best friends involvement. Maybe they'll be around at ringside. Maybe we'll have Santana and Ortiz on the other side. You know, there could be a whole lot of stuff going on in this match. And I just hope we get lots of hijinks, lots of shenanigans, and lots of impressive action with hands in pockets <laughs> all the some just some hand play man hand play um i uh, I'll, I'll split with you on this one i'm gonna go with jericho um and the reason i say that is i think we get the return of tyson next week so i could see jericho getting the win i also neither of these guys i think necessarily need w's jericho's jericho hall of famer legend of the industry i Orange Cassidy is over, not because of his win-loss record. It's because he has an awesome character. And I don't think they'll butcher him like, you know, Bray Wyatt was before the Fiend gimmick. Um, so I'm going to take Jericho here, getting the win, being cocky. And then all of a sudden, Iron Mike Tyson comes down, either knocks him out or there's a pull apart and we get the announcement that we're going to be getting Tyson Jericho at like all out or something. So um, we differ a little bit more on this card. 
uh, than than night one. So uh, we'll have a we'll have a good opportunity to to really get a definitive winner with this pay per view, Joel. Yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, I think I think it's going to be another great show. And I think the fact that they're now kind of extending Fighter Fest by tacking on Fight for the Fallen uh, means we're essentially getting a pay per view that is lasting three weeks. And I'm sure you saw that the other wrestling company now magically has an event on NXT uh, <laughs> for the 15th. So, you know, if it wasn't obvious before that they're trying to counter-program AEW, it's uh, pretty blatant now. So, uh, Well, didn't someone use the phrase ratings war last night? I was in, uh, right off Yeah, the during his opening promo. <laughs> so, um, which NXT won the overall numbers this week, but AEW won the 18 through 35 demographic by a good chunk. So, which is, the demographic everybody wants. So, well, and the, also, the overall numbers were a lot closer than they were oh, yeah. last time WWE won. So, I, I think you know what's was the demographic that like pays attention to people like Brian Alvarez on Twitter. Uh, that demo is clearly in AEW's corner, and they, you know, he put up a poll that was like, "What are you watching tonight?" AW, NXT, or are you switching back and forth? And over 60% said they were watching AEW, and 13% said they were switching back and forth. So a very small number, it was like 23% or something, were going to be watching NXT live. Yeah. And his demo is the money demo. I mean, I know it's mm-hmm. kind of an oversimplification, but you know, a lot of people who are fans of, of Brian Alvarez and his writing are in that 18 to 35 year old range. And this is where the money is, you know, so we are the influencers for five more years, Joel. Only five more years. Um, well, I guess you six because you're still 29. <laughs> so I can't do math. Um, but on that note, I was hoping this would be a shorter wow, episode. Way to just give out my age on the podcast. Sorry, uh, I'll delete it if you I'll delete it if you really want. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Other Wrestling Show. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find Joel at The Other Joel. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. If you're an Android guy like me, you can find us on pretty much all of the uh, podcasting apps on the Play Store. We're on Google Podcasts now, too. We're everywhere. SoundCloud. There's no excuse. Find us, follow us, subscribe to us, give us those five star ratings. We'll really help us out. Um, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. And Joel, anything to add before I continue to unpack boxes and and you know, sleep. <laughs> Got to give the people what they want. Remember everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.